0: Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday, Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, even Saturday! Even Saturday. Noble Knight Night is a brick-and-mortar and mortar game, game store. store support small businesses! That, that also exists online! Open 24-7 on the web. They have D&D and other yeah. cool RPGs. Any edition, any game, even out-of-print out print products! products. And at a discounted price. That's out of control! Have a bunch of old game products collecting dust? Dangerous allergens! Noble Knight will buy the old stuff you aren't using anymore. Looking at you, Indiana Jones RPGs? So go to noblenight.com Noble and get by it and sell it. Take back your life and tell them the Tone, Tone Show sent
1: you.
2: Hello there, and welcome to d and VNG, the only monthly podcast that takes an in-depth look at Dungeons & Dragons licensed video games. This episode we're discussing Neverwinter Nights, a 2002 RPG developed by Bioware and released by Atari. Today joining me is my regular co-host Alex Basso, Hello. Hello. and our friends Vegas Lancaster, hey. and Greg Blair, Gregory Blair. Thanks, Rudy. Hi guys. Hi guys. They are the G, in V... And, but not really. Anyway. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs>
1: we are though. Don't let them fool you,
2: okay. folks. If you've never played Neverwinter Nights before, one, for shame. Two, uh, if you want to see what it looks like, I highly encourage you to check out the video Alex has made. There's some fun footage of us playing multiplayer together. Guys, what can you or what will you tell me about Neverwinter
0: Nights? Neverwinter Nights is based on 3rd edition Dungeons & Dragons, and it's set in Forgotten Realms. Uh, It takes place mostly in the city of Neverwinter, obviously, and also the city of Luskan. It uses the Aurora Engine, which was the successor to the Infinity Engine, which is what had been used for all of BioWare's previous D&D games. The Aurora Engine was also used to make the dark fantasy RPG, The Witcher. You guys know The Witcher. Of
2: course I know The Witcher. I've witched with the best of them.
1: I didn't know that The Witcher used Aurora I know,
2: right? It must have been version. cheap to license, because uh, it was like four years later when they made it. But whatever. Mm.
3: Unlike most Dungeons & Dragons CRPGs, RPGs, Neverwinter Nights is not party-based but the player can hire one henchman that is controlled by AI that will aid them in the campaign, along with any potential summoned allies, such as the druid's animal companion. It's important to note that you do not have control of these companions, you just have control of your one character.
1: Right, now your one character can run around in lots of crazy custom worlds, because Neverwinter Nights shift shipped, shipped with this crazy extensive level editor, and there's lots and lots of talented folks out there took advantage of it and created some awesome modules for single and multiplayer. Actually, if you go out and get Neverwinter Nights through like uh, GOG and whatnot, you'll get some of those premium modules. Uh, In addition, with Neverwinter Nights, a lot of folks are running uh, persistent worlds multiplayer servers, which essentially D&D MMOs, you level your character, quests within the worlds, lots of other folks running around, Um, but we'll get to that a little later.
2: Yes. So, Neverwinter Nights. Very well known, very well received critically, and by the populace. This game is uh, considered an icon to a lot of people. It's, it's a gem. It's a big part of their gaming history. What did you guys think of it? What did you guys think of the UI and how... Uh, Alex is a text, everyone. What did you guys think of uh, its controls? Because that's the most important thing. This is a really loyal conversion of the 3.0 edition, but how did it work for you in terms of maneuvering around and uh, controlling your one character? Vegas, what did you think? No, not you, Greg. Vegas first.
0: It had a, uh, a hot bar that you could assign all your abilities and actions to, which is great if you're a cool guy like me who plays a spellcaster and has lots of different things you can do and is lame if you're a loser like Alex who plays a fighter and only has one thing you can hey, do.
1: Hey, you watch your face. We have like three <laughs> yeah, or four
0: things.
2: Okay? Plus, well, in addition to abilities, you can put items there. So if you want to and... drink a potion, if you want to switch to your bow, you just you can hotbar those. Yeah. exactly.
0: And if, if you you've wanna... got tons of actions you can do, Um, you can hit the control key or the shift key to bring up alternate hotbars. Maybe not the most innovative, coolest thing you've ever heard in 2015, but I think at the time that's a pretty uh, great solution for having lots of spells.
1: You know what, even in 2015, I see games that should have that and don't have that, so I appreciate the multi-hotbars. What I don't appreciate was every, the the UI kind of jumping around. So like you know, you bring up your inventory, it goes to the to the top left of the screen. Build your character sheet goes to the top right. If you bring up your character sheet first, though, top left, inventory, top right. So like everything was kind of jumping around. It was based on like order of operations, which was uh, kind of annoying. I would have preferred just to be able to drag it around, and put stuff where I wanted. Um, I also Tended to play with the there's a there's a text box that tells you all the rolls and gives you all the crunch and it starts off very very tiny and every time you load in you have to expand it if you want to see more of it at the same time um, these are very minor things but they kind of add up to a sort of uh, annoyance factor with like oh I gotta fix this again. You know, so that wasn't my favorite part.
2: Yeah, I don't understand, like, in Diablo, you open up the character sheet, it always pops up on the left. You open the inventory, it's always in the top right. You can't move it around, but even then, it's always in the same place. And that, you know, your mind kind of has it there permanently. So if you open stuff in a different order and it bounces around, it can be, you know, just annoying. Uh, Alex, what did you think? There's also a radial menu, too, that you can yeah, use. Yeah, there is a radial That's the menu, basis. But...
3: Uh, has a lot a lot of options Uh, very similar you know we just played temple of elemental evil what two months ago so very similar to that honestly i think not as good as temple of elemental evils it's just a little more annoying to navigate um i found myself clicking the wrong things a lot and just like casting spells is is tough if you don't realize you have to actually because you can bring up the radio menu whenever you right-click. You can right-click your character, you can right-click just a random location, and you can't cast... You, you have to target, you know. If you want to heal, you have to make sure you're actually right-clicking the target you want, which for me, at least for the first 30 minutes of the game, even though I'd played this in the past, I completely forgot about that and thought my, my game was bugged and I couldn't buff myself because I kept right-clicking on the, the ground to try and uh, cast a buff.
1: So you buffed What's the just... hell out of that ground. Yeah, sort of yeah it was the
3: most blessed ground ever. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's just very nitpicky, but yeah. I, I just don't think the radio menu is that great. The good thing is, though, when you're playing single player, you can pause. So if you don't really know the radio menu that well, pause, take your time, look through everything. You know, no rush. You're not going to die because you don't understand the menu. And you'll learn it eventually.
1: Yeah, that same kind of thing applies to the general interface complaints that I had before, it's not the end of the world if you look in the wrong place for your inventory, because you're probably paused anyway, as opposed to Diablo, where if you look in the wrong place for your inventory, you're probably dead. And every, you know, hardcore person plays on permadeath for Diablo, so that's a really bad thing, right? <laughs> um, but no, I definitely, the, the right-click context thing, it was a little tricky sometimes, but I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I might have to agree with you that the, toe, I'm going to go with Toei, Radial Menu. Um, did edge out Neverwinter Nights a little bit. Everything was very consistent. It was kind of the same for every character, even if you didn't have spells. You know, you'd go there, not look at your spells, because there's none there. But it's consistent, and I like that a lot.
0: I think we all agreed that Radial Menu was the most interesting thing about Temple of Elemental Evil. <laughs> we spent half of that podcast talking about the Radial Menu. I don't. A lot of options, yeah,
1: <laughs> we should spend half of this podcast talking about the radio menu and internet so far we have
0: i found the the walking around uh controls a little bit wonky as well, like the w a s d keys they kind of swung the camera around instead of. Having me walk around in Wait. the way I expected. My to.
3: answer to that is, why are you using
0: the WSD? Yeah, stages?
2: what?
3: <laughs>
0: because I play
3: video
2: games. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think clicking. Is, clicking is the real way you need to control this, on this one. Game. Even though you only control one character, it's a it's a clicking game. Yeah, I agree for movement. Otherwise, you're gonna be taking forever to move around.
0: Well, I was taking forever to move around.
1: <laughs> I will, you know, your point being made though, I will agree with you that it was clunky. So uh yeah, that, I just never used it except when we were trying to walk around to fit in with the persistent world folks. <laughs> but then we figured I... out a better way anyway, yeah. so that's fine. You know, talking about walking around, another thing that was very frustrating about the UI, and um, in this in this aspect, the keys actually helped out a little bit. You know, D and D is a pretty tactical game, so they have when you fight and battle things. Your character will just kind of randomly dance about, well, I'm going to move back five feet, I'm going to move to the side five feet. Um, that's terrible. Like, you know, you go and get a good spot at a door, and now all of a sudden you let all the bad guys through, right? So the Wazdi actually was able to keep my guy in place a little better through all that kind of random walking around, which I still don't understand the point of, but that at least helped me keep him in where I wanted him to be. It's
2: the dance, the dance of the duel. Uh... Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's
1: not, I think not they, okay
3: it's Bioware's way of wanting to make combat look more interesting because you know it is separated in the rounds you, know, you right. are waiting six seconds between attacks but my biggest complaint with it was a lot of times my character would accidentally provoke attacks of opportunity right. because he's moving around so much which is or kind like, of annoying
1: I put my guy in a choke point for a reason and now yeah. he just got out of the choke point and I'm That's by like a dozen weasels or something, that's not okay big UI problem there
2: what did you guys think of the henchmen not being controllable? And just,
1: they'll attack who you're attacking.
2: They'll drink a potion if you tell them to drink a potion or if you heal them. But that's about it. Did that annoy you? Is that not what you want in a Dungeons and Dragons game?
1: I liked it in this game. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. In the first, in the vanilla campaign, actually, you can't look at their inventories at all. They changed that in the two expansions but i kind of liked that i didn't have to worry about any of their stuff i guess i lost out on a pack mule that i mean guys that's what henchmen are for in <laughs> rpgs right pack mules but i kind of didn't mind this might also not matter as much for me because i always always take the evil monk so whose name is just slip my mind right now for some reason. But so all he does is hit things pretty much so I didn't have to worry about oh why is a stupid elf not casting the spell or why is a stupid cleric not healing me? Like he just murders things and that's fine because that's his bit. So that wasn't a big deal for me.
3: For me, I played mostly with the rogue and uh, would switch him out with a cleric and the rogue definitely was a lot easier because yeah, he all he would do is attack and I didn't really have to worry about anything. But the cleric um, I had, she would just randomly cast spells. She cast bless so many times when I was right outside the range of the buff, which would make me so mad. The only thing you did really have control over was when she would heal you. Like when I hit fifty percent health, I'd have it so she would automatically heal me, and she tended to do that. But besides that, the rest, yeah. Besides that, the rest of her spells was just like whatever she felt like. Uh, Which was kind of annoying, because there were times when I'm swinging my sword at stuff with really high AC and I could use a a damage spell, but she'd just be right up there next to me swinging her mace. Yeah, I think
2: the AI in general can be an issue when it comes to spellcasting. I fought an enemy who continually casts stun on me over and over and over again. He's the only guy there, no one else is going to hit me, I'm just going to stay stunned. It makes more sense to stun me, hit me, then stun me when I'm free again.
0: Yeah, it's probably tough to design a clever AI when you have so many spells at your disposal as a D&D spellcaster.
1: That's a very good point. I don't know, I didn't overall have a problem with the henchmen and controlling them. I thought it was good. Do you? I like yeah. running around with Grimnaw, the evil monk. I had to look that up. Yeah. It was, but I mean, how, how stereotypical is that Grimnaw? That's <laughs> a great even. His name is Grimdark. Like, I love it.
0: Would
2: you guys have liked this to be a party-based game? Would you think it would have been better or worse in your opinion if you had four or five people instead of just the one in AI-controlled companions?
0: I liked it the way it was. In this particular case, liked controlling just my one guy. I thought having the henchman act on his own was fine. And I think given the control scheme, I think playing and trying to control five different characters at once would have been a bit clunky.
3: I personally prefer like party gameplay. I just enjoy the additional tactical options. Uh, but I'm okay with this one just being one character. Uh, just because as I mentioned at the, the top of the podcast, pretty much every D&D RPG is party-based. So to have one that's you don't have to deal with that. Is I guess, a, a little bit of breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah, I, I, liked, I liked The henchman. I haven't played a ton of the, the classic Infinity Engine games, so I don't have that kind of nostalgia factor of, oh, well, I love this. It's got to be like Baldur's Gate, but also, like, think that for the engine at the time and the computers it was running on, I don't wonder if it could have handled multiple PCs in the party, uh, just from a technical limitation. But also... I like that because you only have two characters, battles would be kind of scaled down to a certain degree. just yeah, this no, does not apply at all for the expansions, by the way. The battles were huge and ridiculous at some points, but I like, you know, you only have so many hours for gaming these days, so it's nice that I didn't have to spend like two hours on a battle.
0: Yeah, I liked the combat a lot in the game. I thought it was pretty smooth and I had fun most of the time in combat. Except when we played in Ravenloft and I died a lot. That was not fun.
2: What did you guys think of the game's story? You start in Neverwinter. The city is under siege from multiple areas. You have to go out and clear them. And then from there, move on and stop this guy. Lusk. Uh, there's a betrayal. You have different types of enemies. What did you guys think of Neverwinter's story? It's hard in a, a CRPG to really tell a great story.
1: And it shows.
2: And, yeah, <laughs> well, I guess... Temple of Elemental Evil which just kind of disregarded that but Baldur's Gate is great and fun and I love the story are you saying then Greg thumbs down from Greg is that what I'm hearing? Yeah I mean I
1: don't know maybe I've become kind of spoiled I didn't expect really any story from Temple of Elemental Evil because I saw it as just sort of a recreation of a classic module my expectations weren't super high there but for Neverwinter Nights I feel like it set up to be really epic and some of the story moments were cool, you know. The inevitable ch- betrayals, a little cliche, but you know, some of the characters were kind of interesting, and I love the uh, kobold bard. Uh, what's his name? Deacon. I love Deacon. He's great, but he's not story central. So I, I guess I'd give it a like a mixed review at best. But it's you know all the fetch quest stuff is kind of weak sauce.
3: Yeah, I mean I don't think the story is all that great. It's really just a bare bones way to push you forward and into exploring so the main overall arc isn't that good like Greg said there are some interesting characters there's definitely some interesting locations the main story is it's nothing special
0: yeah I I don't think the the main story is all that interesting and great you know what I really want when I'm playing an RPG for fun is to uh, want to play to move the story forward and to be really immersed in it But what I will say that's great about Neverwinter Nights is in 2002, it's giving you voice acted NPCs, it's giving you this branching dialogue choices for your character, and it really, um, it's setting up future RPGs to be amazing. Like, it's setting up Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and it sets up Dragon Age. It really it's building the groundwork for the great modern rpgs and i really appreciate it for doing that for us thank you bioware
2: this is another one too where if you have low intellect you talk like an idiot and you say me don't like that idea and it's really <laughs> annoying i don't like that <laughs> that's stupid you, you don't, don't like that? no i don't like that i think that's very immersive um only I think it's beautiful
3: I mean, did you guys actually play Low Intellect? It's fun, in the, uh, I
2: think, in theory. I think but when you Fallout, play, you're right. Fallout 1 and <laughs> 2 did such a great, funny job, and now these other games don't... doesn't fit the epic storyline for your character to be like, me, agree <laughs> to a quest! That it doesn't... It's not so epic anymore when you talk like an idiot. You know what?
1: I like that, though. Because I... That you can make whatever you want, because... There were, all these, there were all these little moments that obviously I took advantage of For like, like I punked some dude for money to not burn down it no, his house was already burned down and he said he still had some stuff so I, I basically just took him up for his money like, oh, well you still got some left then, then give it to me right now and I went down on the evil track rightfully so like, that's cool that you can do whatever you want and all that stuff's in there you're still saving the city they can suck it up
2: It doesn't fit for me. You expect the hero to be heroic since it's a hero's journey kind of story. Let's shift gears then to the multiplayer aspect of the game. Because the multiplayer is still kicking. GameSpy was the server user, server browser, much like some other games we've played, and GameSpy no longer exists. But the multiplayer servers are still up, they're still out there, and we, gentlemen, spent several hours on the longest running Uh, most popular one which is set in the world of Ravenloft which is really cool it's completely fan made completely separate from the main game there's custom made you have to download a a large custom made world and then you jump in you run around it's role playing so you must speak uh, in character it's an RP server server, absolutely and it is having dabbled in RP servers and MMOs better than anything else I have
1: compared to other... To, like,
2: like, WoWs. To, like, WoW RP servers. Okay. Or, like, Star Wars Galaxies. I, I did some stuff like that. They have
3: rules that they enforce. Exactly. It's something you're not going to find in an
1: MMO. Right, well, because no one...
3: There's no... The, the
1: cool thing here is that the folks that run uh, Neverwinter, Knights, Ravenloft, Prisoners of the Mist, they control the server, right? So, like, no one on WoW... There's no... Yeah, Player run. Like player-run things in WoW, so these guys run it and they make—they run the game that they want to play, and I think that's really awesome. I mean, I don't have—I haven't really played any subscription-based MMOs, or I haven't really played almost any MMOs because uh, I don't like them generally. <laughs> like, I played DDO, uh, d D&D d Online. Sorry, I played some of Neverwinter, the MMO, and I didn't think they were that great. But when I got into Ravenloft, I felt like I was playing Dungeons & Dragons in an MMO fashion. Like, I just felt like I was in an MMO D&D, like an actual D&D game, though. Not like, oh, D&D inspired, like this other two I mentioned. Like, I was actually playing a D&D MMO, and that was awesome.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree. Playing in Ravenloft was the closest, I feel like, in any game I'd ever been to actually playing D&D, like online. Just controlling your character, running around with all four of us as a group—you uh, know, all mm-hmm. being different classes—it really felt like we were, we were a party, um, and it was awesome. And you know, there's a lot of role-playing stuff, which people do take it serious. And I, I am worse at role-playing in video games than I am at the table, which is, uh, <laughs> that's saying something. So I, that I wasn't the most comfortable with that.
1: Point actually. of contention: You're pretty good at role-playing at the table. Don't be uh, silly.
3: You're just a nice guy, but uh, not—that was a little awkward. But. We, I kind of avoided it. We did a little bit. You guys did a lot more than me. Uh, just running around doing quests, fighting kobolds, fighting firebugs. That was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was. I give him props for some of these sort of, I want to say, emergent gameplay that almost came out of it. You know, uh, Alex and I were running around, and they tell you, don't go out at night. The city closes at night, and you know, all these things. So we didn't care. We're like, that's oh, fine. We'll run around. And I left him to die at the hands of a werewolf. You know, it's showed I ran yeah, away. You ran away. That was you? Yeah. Ah, jeez. You
2: both... Right. Vegas was there, too. He ran away, as well. We couldn't fight it. We didn't have silver weapons, but nevertheless...
1: No, Vegas wasn't yeah, there. Yeah,
2: he was. You both ran away. Uh, You left me to die.
0: I, I didn't have the opportunity to run away, because I was busy talking to other players, because unlike you idiots, <laughs> I was role-playing as a hot girl, which definitely increased my... Player to player
1: interactions. I, I beg to disagree. <laughs> I actually talked to a lot of folks. I yeah, well, straggly evil little dwarf, and I think Rudy will back me up on that. Yeah,
2: this. you talked to a lot of folks. You also left me to die at the hands of a Werewolf, so I'm not backing you up on it. Yeah, either. I mean, because you're not backing oh, me up. um,
1: true. but we would have both died. To, to, I mean, I'm just saying, murdered what so would happen?
2: Right. There's a thing that that server <laughs> in particular does that's really neat. Is it actually rewards you experience for role playing. So yeah, from a mechanic perspective, it it it'll it'll it's good to just go chat, just go make a friend. Or uh, awkward. Yeah, and yeah. there's a
0: limit to how uh, much experience you can get exclusively from killing things. You have to get some of your experience from role playing.
1: Yes, there's it's a it's a time based limit, so you can max it out after a certain period of time, but the role playing experience is unlimited. But I think the role playing stuff was
2: is pretty neat. I agree.
1: I, I gotta say, running around talking to people. Um we yeah, Rudy and I actually spoke to we didn't know this at the time, but the in game seemed like the in game leader of a player faction, the Red Vardo Traders. They had like this whole interaction, uh just player to player, kinda of running right the world and they have all these different factions, and it was really neat. So, there's a ton there's a ton of Persistent World servers out there too, by the way. Like, maybe if Ravenloft's not your thing, um, you can go and get... There's something called the Neverwinter Nights Client Extender, so you don't even have to look online if you just go and get that. Then it replaces the game size server browser with a server browser for all these different Persistent Worlds. So you can check it out and see like what's got a lot of players, and then go out and get their custom hackbacks to play on them. So very, like, this community is still very live, very active. So that's definitely big bonus points for Neverwinter Nights and the folks who play it.
3: Yeah, it's pretty crazy considering it's almost 13 years later. Yeah. And you still got a decent amount of servers with, you know, completely unique worlds. I mean, I remember playing online back when the game came out in 2002 and having a blast, and it was just as fun now.
2: This is uh, a translation of the third edition rules. It is really well done in terms of being opening the book and reading the book and then jumping to this game. I think that if you were to just read the book and then start playing, you would still understand it really well. Do you guys agree? Do you think this is a good conversion?
3: Uh, I mean, I unfortunately don't have too much experience with the third edition rule set, so I can't comment too much on that. I think some of the skills were definitely modified um, yeah. for it. Just, I mean, even from, I think, well, Temple of Alma Deliver was 3.5, but just some stuff functioned differently. I mean, I know Greg, you were complaining about, I think, Perry in particular? Was that one?
1: Well, just that, that, I mean, that's a skill. That doesn't, it's not really a skill. That's when they had it for the computer game. (laughs) Um, Which was, so there were a couple things like that that were kind of silly. Um, But, in general, this is an amazing adaptation of D&D 3.0. With the caveat that to really Make it true to form. You need to play it on the next higher difficulty level from the f- default D&D hardcore or something to that affect hardcore d and Because then you've got friendly fire and crits do their proper damage and whatnot. Um, if you play it on the default difficulty, you can fireball all day on your homies and it doesn't matter. Um, but I think Alex was or maybe Rudy, one of y'all was telling me that the game is balanced for that difficulty level. So in that sense, yeah. But if you yeah. play on the hardcore D&D mode, I think it's awesome, personally.
0: It tells you when you're starting the game, hey, you might not want to change the difficulty level, because even though the rules are a little different than in the pen and paper rule books, the default difficulty level is balanced as a computer game. But,
2: you know, do whatever you want.
1: Real men. So I'm saying
2: what's the game easy to you guys personally I found it very easy starting levels which uh obviously they balanced it because as you all know first level d and d not the most exciting thing but I was killing dudes left and right no problem did you guys have the same lack of difficulty
3: uh I mean as a fighter it starts off real easy it does get more difficulty difficult later on um but and the opposite I'd say for a spellcaster
0: no i um when I was playing a sorcerer, uh, and basically it, you get Summon Badger as a default spell. There you go. And if you summon your badger, like, the very easy, and then it gets more difficult as it goes on, which is what you want from a game. I think it was very well balanced.
3: And uh, if you want to play on super easy mode, roll a cleric or a druid, because those classes aren't so Druid. Good. I mean,
1: there's a reason why it's Godzilla for D&D 3, so... Cleric, or Zilla, if you guys aren't familiar with that, they pretty much can do anything they want in the game, but, I mean, I will say, so I roll solo, I didn't actually bring Grimnaw with me, almost ever, um, because I'm stupid, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get all the XP's, because it actually, you know, it did cut down your XP if you brought a henchman. And supposedly there was some weird bug where if you had a summon creature it cut down your xp2 i don't know if that's actually true or not i didn't test it but these are some of the things i was reading so i was like oh i'm gonna go solo and just you know super level and then the game's gonna be totally easy that was stupid the game's easy if you bring the guy and then you level so i actually had a really hard time in a lot of fights fighting things that were listed as overpowering and very difficult, so I just keep reloading until they stop critting me and stuff like that. I was also playing on hardcore, so in retrospect, not the best choice. But I will say that, especially as you go on, um, I mean, I've played I played this game when it came out. I blew through all the expansions, so I've got a lot of hours on Neverwinter Nights, and it does get really easy. Um, I've played higher levels as a, like a fighter, rogue, as a druid. It's I don't know, it does get to be kind of steamrollery, which was cool, I mean I still had fun, it was awesome, but killing an entire like drow battalion pretty much by yourself, not not so tough.
0: Greg, you're such a gaming badass, you're like, oh, just playing on hardcore permadeath mode, didn't bring any henchmen with me, cause who
1: needs those? Yeah, but then I died <laughs> a lot, so, that sucks.
2: And what happens when you die? And you don't want to reload. There's death penalty. Uh, minor
3: XP loss. Yeah, XP and,
2: and uh, gold loss. So.
3: One thing that I find myself abusing a lot, and I'm not proud of, is you do Rest. have a recall stone okay, in the yeah. game, mm-hmm. uh, which is like I don't know, a Hearthstone in WoW, or a scroll of town portal and Diablo. You click yeah. it, and then it'll take you back to town, and you can do that in the middle of combat, and it'll take yeah. you to a temple where a person will automatically heal you for free.
1: And you and just pay fifty gold. You to pay go fifty back.
3: gold, which honestly by level three you'll have like two thousand gold. Yeah. So, um
1: it was you can definitely abuse and this is one thing that detracts from the D and D feeling. Um you can abuse that to no end. I I c I don't understand, you know, they did that as a they wanted some fast travel thing as a conceit to computer gaming, but that kinda takes you out. And also you can rest like anywhere. Oh, there's a bad guy in that room? Let me walk 20 feet away and rest and get all my spells back. I'll just murder him with fireballs. Resting takes (laughs) 5 seconds,
2: 10 seconds.
1: It's like 10
3: seconds and you're never going to get interrupted.
0: I mean, as a spellcaster, that was a very necessary addition to the game because if I had to, every time I ran out of spells, go back to the temple or something like that, it would have been a slow game.
1: Well, I think the thing is, and this is maybe where henchmen um, setup takes away from your choices in actuality, and maybe that's why they made resting so broken and abusable, is that if you're a spellcaster, you're not generally by yourself, right? You have a party of meat shields to hit people for you, and then you bust out the spells when you really need it, but in Neverwinter Nights, it's just you and your one homie, and obviously your dire badger, which you've got up like 24-7. Um. So, you can't, you have to use a rest mechanic because you don't actually have a party to work with. So, all you can do is cast your spells.
0: Yeah, and so. as a, a spell caster, one thing that I, I didn't love is I couldn't order my henchmen around as a meat shield uh, mm. the way I wanted. Like, I had to be the one entering the room, and uh, <laughs> enemies would focus on me, which is run away,
1: not what you run want away, when yeah.
0: you're a sorcerer.
1: That's fair. I didn't play any of the, even when I played before, I didn't play any of the squishy caster types. I just played like a druid, to turn into a bear, and maul people. So I didn't really have that experience, but I could see how would be kind of frustrating. Side so the... note about the game being easy, by the way. It probably was easy because I probably abused that rest mechanic, so...
2: Sometimes the yeah, random loot drops energy. can be uh, super... In your, like, any first fight in the game... Uh, The enemy, he dropped half plate armor, so my (laughs) AC went from 16 to like 20 uh, immediately, like as I stepped out of the into the city of Neverwinter almost nothing could hit me which was awesome, but like, oh, okay I guess well, you know, the
1: the loot is actually key to your character so like if you take like I I rolled my fighter and I picked greatsword, right? and so I got a greatsword in yeah. First chest, and I got plate mail, you know, stuff like that. So it's.
3: I kind of figured that out when I picked up like four bastard sword plus ones before I found any other magic weapon, which pissed yeah. me off because I spent like three thousand gold to buy it as soon as possible.
1: <laughs> so I mean, that's that's a really nice loot drop. Really, yeah. You know, you get you get the crazy armor. That's that's one of the only ways I survived as a solo character. Though had a huge tower shield, and then I abused also which is not intended at all. But so I was a fighter rogue and in the CRPG you can, every five points of tumble gives you one AC. Even if you have a negative 17 armor check which I did, doesn't matter you put the skill points in so I was just buffing my AC with tumble even though my guy was never going to tumble ever. They just couldn't hit me. Throw a bark skin on because you've got a rogue use magic device and they just whiff on everything. One thing that I really loved like a, this like a small thing. Maybe it's not a small thing, I don't know. Um, and this plays out more over the expansions, too. There is, I mentioned that kobold bard, Deacon. And he just, you know, he just wants to be a bard. He just wants to do his thing. He's like one of those archetypical pathetic little losers that you love. Because he's, he's a kobold. He's a nothing. He's a little, who, has, who makes a kobold bard? Who does that? But he's he's so lovable, and I, I really appreciated that picked up on that. So over the course of the expansions, he actually makes it. Kind of. You know, he gets to be a bard and then he starts taking levels as a red dragon disciple. So he actually, you know, he lives his dream of becoming more dragon-like and being kind of awesome. And he's just this little dude that you take around with. you. I mean, so Grimnaw, the evil monk in the main game, the vanilla campaign. But then after that, dude, Deacon... All day, and he's definitely one of my favorite parts of this game. Such a small little thing, you know, but that's that's one of my favorite bits, I gotta say.
3: Boo kobolds, boo! Hey, come <laughs> on.
1: shut your face! Monster <laughs> races all day.
3: Um, I just wanted to put one, I guess, criticism I have of the game, or I guess two, in that I guess three. I guess like twenty. I guess five. Thirty maybe, but uh, I was playing as a fighter. Um, I. Unfortunately, I felt like I was almost kind of required to take the rogue henchman because the game is full of traps and locktops. Yes. Uh, nope. To the point where I, even as a fighter with 16 con and toughness, I and actually got one shot. shot yes, I oh, was yeah. getting one shot by v- certain day. traps. Um, so I felt like, you know, I really wanted to use the cleric 100% of the time. But because there's so much lock stuff and, like, I could bash chests open, but one, it takes forever compared to a guy just saying, I'll block pick it, you know, three seconds later it's open, uh, where I can spend up to two minutes bashing a chest that has high damage resistance. And, uh, you know, the traps just were uh, just so much pain in the ass that I needed to bring a rogue with me almost all the time. I would switch out for the cleric during, Mm -hmm. like, boss
1: fights. Battles and stuff. Yeah, Yeah,
3: big battles. But besides that... While you're
1: cheating the Stone of Recall, you mean?
3: Yes, oh, (laughs) constantly. I spent, like, a thousand gold on one fight just going back and forth. Because the thing had like a 31 AC, so oh, I could only ow. hit it with a crit. Uh, yeah, that was I, I was I shouldn't have been in that location. Yeah, going to Maybe you weren't. I don't I don't back away from a fight. I don't care how under leveled I am. <laughs> I will cheese it till I win.
1: Alex <laughs> uh, so And then my
3: other complaint was, uh, the first time I played this game, you know, 10 years ago, I played as a druid. Awesome, a lot of fun. I was always constantly pausing. You know, there's tactical decisions. I decided to go with a fighter this time, which I think. Definitely made the game a lot less enjoyable, just because I feel like uh, it's more of a watching the dice roll simulator than anything else.
1: There's what do you not mean you can power attack, you can knock down, you can power attack you if you want to miss everything.
3: Uh, this it's just uh, I did take Red Dragon Disciple later in the game, which is awesome, but still really adds nothing besides dragon breath. Uh, so I think the enjoyment of the game, I mean, it's different for everyone, but I, if you want a more tactical experience, you need to go with a spellcaster.
1: I slightly disagree, um, because I went with, you can, if you take a rogue, like rogue levels, and grab some used magic device, um, this is another aspect where the game doesn't quite get the rules, it's pen and paper, normally it's a roll, but uh, you can take ranks and use magic device and stuff just works for you. If you hit the threshold it just works, you can use it, whatever. Um, so. If you do f- something like fighter rogue, ranger rogue, whatever, then you can handle the traps yourself and take whatever companion you want and then use magic device lets let you use all the wands and scrolls and everything. So mm. it really opens up the tactics a lot.
3: Mm. Yeah, but that's I feel like that's not too obvious. To uh, you know.
1: That's why I'm saying it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, to be fair, if you play D&D at a table and you're a fighter, you're watching the dice roll. That's what yeah. you're doing.
3: Yeah, it is. And it uh, it works well in a group setting, but not so much in a single-player experience.
1: shit.
0: <laughs> One little thing I liked about the game was the, uh, the graphical effects when you cast spells. Uh, every spell has its own neat little animation, and uh, uh, I thought they were cool-looking. You know, I got to see uh, uh, some classic spells that I've played pen and paper with Uh, for years, in all their 2002 glory. I I cast Color Spray many, many times, and it makes a cool rainbow, and just nice little details
1: like that, you know. Uh,
0: This game was an excellent D&D simulation, and I I appreciated that. They even
1: have, um, they say like, you know, magic words and stuff too. Yeah. which is kind of cool like a neat little effect so even if your character doesn't have the spellcraft to know what they're casting maybe you recognize it based on the effect and what they say it's kind of cool
2: let's let's go to recommend time recommend time gentlemen it's recommend time alex Spassa. Uh, like do you want recommend... to recommend
3: yeah i'll recommend first uh i'm gonna say yes thumbs up um you know, with, as I said before, don't don't play a pure fighter, but uh, as a, I mean, this game is as close to D and D as you get. Uh, I feel um, the online, the fact that there's still a multiplayer community, there's a, you know, I was looking at servers before. There's at least a couple dozen that were active with people, and uh, you know, these are unique worlds. So if you're into multiplayer, there's tons of content for you. The single player is decent. You know, there are. Two expansions and a bunch of premium modules. There's a lot of content there, and it I think it holds up well. It's a, you know 13 year old RPG. It's clearly what a lot of RPG you know Western RPGs with Bioware has built off of. Um, you see that, and it's you know really a enjoyable experience. I still pl- I played a lot of it you know in the past month. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, thumbs up.
2: Greg, how about you? Yeah,
1: I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go right along with you. This is there's a big amount of nostalgia for me, come back into this game, because like I said, I I played this game a lot when it came out, you know, all through the expansions and everything, and even if it was just for that, like, it's it's $10 on GOG right now, for the Diamond Edition. It's worth that. It goes on sale. You can get it for cheaper, but I mean, I'd never played any of the multiplayer stuff, and when we came in here, if you look up uh, nwnlist.com, you can have a browse at servers, the top 5 right now, 250 players online, at least, you know, not just top five servers. There's a bunch of different ones you can look at, and that was a really cool experience, uh, hopping on Prisoners of the Mist, that Ravenloft um, persistent world. So, I mean, yeah, the nostalgia factor holds up. The game, I mean, it's a little blocky, but it still looks pretty good, all the effects and everything, and it's just a solid D&D experience. Definitely.
2: Alex has already spoken, so thank you. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: Vegas, how about you? Would you recommend this game?
1: It's
0: a tough call for me to make. Um, like I said earlier, uh the structure of Neverwinter Nights has inspired uh tons of fantastic modern games. Um I I don't think it's as as polished and great as other games that you could play right now in 2015. And that's because it's it's kind of their ancestor already, even in that short amount of time. It's a good game. It's a solid game. If you love Dungeons & Dragons, which you probably do because you're listening to this podcast, I don't think you're going to find a better D&D simulator. And, you know, you can definitely pick it up for cheap. But as modern role-playing games go, I think there are games that are a, a little bit... Not way more fun. It's not bad, like Temple of Elemental Evil, but I think you're gonna get a little bit more out of playing a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect.
1: Not if you want the best computer implementation of D&D 3.0 ever, especially playing on a persistent world. So you can play D&D MMO, which you can't do anywhere else. Except maybe Neverwinter Nights 2, but probably not because that game wasn't as good.
0: I agree. If that's what you want, go nuts. <laughs> it's here for you. <laughs>
2: Uh, I am going to give a yes and no kind of uh, recommendation. I don't like. What does that it mean? It means I don't like having only one character to control with Dungeons and Dragons. It feels weird to me. I don't like the the turn-based combat with only one character, and uh, I feel like you're you're fighting a lot of garbage enemies. It's annoying to have to fight fifty like one-hit guys and, and then finally get to the boss. It just it doesn't feel like Dungeons and Dragons to me in that sense. So I don't really like the single-player game. I, on the other hand, loved the multiplayer game and it was a complete unique experience um, versus all the other multiplayer games I play, and I play a lot of multiplayer games. So I would recommend it if you want to really like you know we've been saying it over and over again but i can't i can't help but say it again this is the mmo dungeons and dragons game so if you want to experience yeah. that in a role playing setting with people who love to role play and are usually pretty adept at it then go for it and check out the raven Loss server or any of the other persistent worlds out there
1: yeah props i mean they didn't know we were there like we didn't yeah, say anything, yeah. but props to the Ravenloft Precision and the Mist folks, DMs and admins and players and everything for making such an awesome it's, place it's, so, they've
2: spent nice, a lot nice, of time um, cultivating a certain atmosphere and they've absolutely achieved it alright guys <laughs> um, so uh, what have you been playing lately? recommend me a game that you've been playing lately that has nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons Alex what do you recommend?
3: The game Rudy's gonna recommend, now, that is uh, Evolve, which is a 4v1 multiplayer game where four people play human hunters that track a- another human player who's a monster, like a Godzilla-like monster who needs to run away and eat wildlife and get larger and eventually kill the hunters. And it's just a complete unique multiplayer experience that uh, you know I love any sort of asym- asymmetrical multiplayer gameplay. And it's made by the, down, it's made by the guys who made Left For Dead. Um, and it's somewhat similar to that if you ever played the versus mode in that you know, the sides are completely different. Um a lot of fun. I am super excited for the launch of that game. I've already put in a ton of hours in the beta.
2: Yeah, I love that game too. It is really great and really unique and a super thumbs up for me. Vegas, what do you want to recommend for us?
0: Uh, I'm gonna recommend a game that I played a lot last year, and then stopped for a few months, and then started again uh, recently. Uh, that's Hearthstone. Already got a real big fan base. I think it's got 75 million users so far. Uh, Hearthstone is a online collectible card game based on World of Warcraft, which is the nerdiest sentence I've ever <laughs> said before. Uh, some people have described it as Magic the Gathering Light. I love it. I, I've put in more hours into Hearthstone than I have in any game in the past few years. If you said Vegas, you can only play one game for the rest of the year. Hands down, I would say Hearthstone. Uh, Really, really enjoy that game. And it's free! Oh! Wow. It's got it all.
1: That is... It's... Quite the yeah. Ringing recommendation
2: yeah, it's a day, great so. game if you've ever been interested in something like Magic: The Gathering, but haven't gotten around to it. This is a great way to get into that mindset of of a card game of a of a versus tactical card game.
1: It's fast. It's very too.
2: fast. Yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I don't like Magic: The Gathering. So, bam. Uh, Greg, how about you? What would you recommend for us?
1: You know, I really I had this whole recommendation cooked up for. Uh, Nuclear Throne, because I really thought I was gonna have to recommend that after either you or your brother took Darkest Dungeon, but I guess I'm gonna go with Darkest Dungeon. Nuclear Throne's great, by the way. Um, Darkest Dungeon just came, just hit early access uh, this past Tuesday. Was that February the third on Steam? It is a very grim bleak, uh, ruinous kind of game. Your heroes will die a lot. Um, it encourages this sort of bleak outlook. I use my heroes to... They're not heroes, they're cannon fodder. Their job is just to bring some treasure back. But its it's got some kind of Lovecraftian elements. Uh, there is some persistence in the form of your town and hopefully your heroes that don't all die, but they'll go insane, they'll attack each other's sanity, and it's just, the, the stress spiral is real, and it's a lot of fun. It's very difficult, but I love it. Go check it out.
0: Is it like a Call of Cthulhu kind of game? Mm.
1: You know, I didn't really talk about the gameplay at all. It's, uh, tactical. <laughs> you, yeah, it's a tactical turn-based kind of game. Uh, you have four characters in your party, there are a ton of different classes that all have different abilities. Their abilities ch- can change depending on what ra- what their order rank is in the Marching Order. The enemies have similar abilities and Marching Order restrictions. Uh, there's lots of tactical movement-based abilities. They'll pull you and push you. You can jump back and forth in line. Um, there's I hinted at, there's a sanity meter that you have to manage, or stress meter rather and then there's HP as well once your guys die, that's it, they're dead you can't heal between combat it's a lot of um, kind of brutal outlook you know, all this, you have to spend money on supplies, but if you don't use them, you lose them, so there's this kind of resource management aspect as well what do you upgrade in your town to give your heroes the best advantage there's a lot of that there but I like it a lot. There's some Let's Plays out. You can check it out on Twitch.
2: Yeah,
3: if you want to on watch on me right? play
1: it, you can check out my broadcast on Steam. I don't You really can do actually check
2: anything. out a video breakdown that Alex and I made on our YouTube channel. i will link.
1: Oh, well, that's probably way better
2: than <laughs> yeah.
1: watching me get Where harder. we
2: discuss the game, show clips from it, and uh, give an overview. I mean, Greg, you summed it up in a really great fashion, but again, guys, if you want to watch a video of it, then I'll put that in the show notes. Woo! Anyway, I'm going to recommend a game called Depth. It's asymmetrical multiplayer, sharks versus divers. Finally, the sharks get their revenge. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, four players play as divers with guns, and they're trying to collect treasure, and two players play as sharks, and they're trying to munch on some divers. That's it. It's ridiculous. It's super fun. I really enjoy it.
1: Oh man, that does sound The shark
2: gameplay, the shark controls are very fluid, and uh, it's genuinely scary. Like, I I must say, (laughs) like, floating, like, at the end, after you receive all the treasure, there's like a mad dash to get to the end where you're just like swimming in open water, and it's really dark, and you can't see anything, so you'll be swimming and there'll be a guy (laughs) in front of you, and then suddenly he's just whoosh! grabbed by a shark and gone and you're just like oh well that's how it goes i got to get out of here it's uh and it's really good i like it a lot alex that's amazing and,
3: and you can't forget that there's destructible environments that's right. as well so you might put your back to like a wall and then a shark breaks through the wall and
1: deep sea style
3: yeah it's it's actually it's a lot of yeah
1: fun.
0: i can't believe you're recommending a multiplayer shark game uh,
1: Heartily recommend. You mean because you can't believe that this didn't exist before and how genius it is?
0: It sounds amazing.
1: Right? It's good. Depth. Oh my god. Check it out,
2: uh, guys. <laughs> where can I find you and follow you on the internet, uh, Vegas?
0: Uh, I'm always on Twitter at Vegas Lancaster. And as always, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm doing Improv Friday Nights with uh, Philadelphia's N Crowd. Coming up on our 10th anniversary, we're at phillyncrowd.com
1: Greg, how about you? I'm also on the Twitters. Check me out at nts underscore qpop, q-p-o-p And a quick little shout out to my homie Drusups and Sagarino
2: Yeah Okay. I'll allow it this time. Alex, how about you? Uh,
3: I'm at Twitter at yo underscore Alex Basso. B-A-S-S-O.
2: I'm at Rudy Basso. R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. And like I mentioned earlier, Alex and I are starting up a YouTube channel where we're just going to overview and uh, talk about the games we've been playing and talk about whether or not we like them. So I'll have a link to the Darkest Dungeon video and then a link to it in our in the show notes. Right now it is currently called Game O'Clock. I don't know if that name's going to stick. I don't think so. I love Alex it. Alex is a fan. We'll have to discuss it
1: further. It should stick.
2: It, <laughs> you know what, Rudy?
1: Game O'Clock is almost as good as and VNG, okay. where the VNG stands for Vegas Great. and Gregory.
2: I'll keep that in mind. Uh, be sure to listen next I'm month. More... Guys, we're going to be playing a 1993 DOS game called Stronghold, where you build yes. a. It's. From what I understand, it is Dungeons and Dragons meets Sim City. That is all I know. Uh, I also know Alex doesn't think it looks good.
0: I... I Get ready for wait. my first 100% yes, you should buy this review.
1: Except you can't. Except you can't.
0: <laughs> Except you can't. Uh... Yes, you should pirate <laughs> this.
2: Thank you so much for listening, uh, and we'll see you again next month. Bye. Uh, Only I may say bye.